We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. John Ellis, Billy Marshall joins me momentarily here. We are the Blue Wire Podcast. Billy and I proudly bringing you episode 107 tonight on a Monday night. It's Black Monday. A lot going on around the week. There's been some firing, some surprising ones. What a day in Carolina Panthers land in terms of press conferences. Scott Fitterer spoke to the media. We have highlights of that. Matt Rule looked a little bit beleaguered today. We'll review what he said. One notable absence, David Tepper. Would be nice to hear from him soon. Mr. Tepper, paging Mr. Tepper, that and much more. It's episode 107 of The Roar right here on Blue Wire. And for the final time this regular season, I want to welcome everyone to another episode of The Roar brought to you by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Billy Marshall. And once again, I am fortunate to be joined by my co-host, John Ellis. John, how's it going? Billy, it's going, man. It's going well. We made it through another year. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> it took everything we had to get through some of these games. Uh, but we're here, and we're here to talk about not only Tampa's win over Carolina, but some interesting conversation today with the press conferences from Scott Fitterer. Uh, Coach Rule talked today to the media, and we think Dave Tepper might be soon. And a big chunk of the offseason – Hey, it starts right around the corner with the senior bowl and all that good stuff. So a lot to get to. Yeah. So before we get into all the off season buzz, uh, let's start with the game yesterday. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty similar game to the new Orleans game to start out uh, pretty well. Uh, first couple of drives, I thought Chuba Hubbard had a strong game uh, running the ball. I thought he was probably the best player in offense. Um, but again, scripted plays. That's what this offense has done pretty well the past, couple weeks and then uh i mean they kept it pretty close uh until that fourth quarter things just uh went out of hand um again similar to new orleans new orleans just didn't have the firepower but the you know the the bucks made a couple big turnovers and they just put the game away so the score probably flattered tampa a little bit but at the end of the day 
you know, that's what happens when you're a football team like Carolina and you don't have enough, uh, you know, players on offense to really make a difference. And you're just, you make mistakes and uh, teams punish you. Carolina didn't force any turnovers. Uh, and I thought uh, Brady and uh, the Bucks offense had a pretty solid day. Um, again, before we get into the offseason stuff, just your overall general thoughts in the final game. We don't have to go, but we don't have to do specific unit by unit breakdown. Yeah, and we won't, by the way. <laughs> Trust me, we won't. Uh, but there were some positives. I mean, look, I think coming into this game, I didn't have a chance to watch the first series live. And that is interesting because that was one of their better series maybe in like eight months. <laughs> uh, I did go back and watch the Chupa Hubbard touchdown, a good, nice, quick flat route by Sam there, good blocking. Uh, again, the, the common themes here continue to be like Brady Christensen getting some action. Uh, he, he looks pretty good. I mean, again, you know, he had some ups and downs, but against a very good front in Tampa, uh, did some good things. Uh, Deontay Brown got some snaps there, Billy, and we finally were waiting for that. And it took until this game to get it done, but he looked pretty good at times. Uh, I think it was good to see DJ Moore getting involved in the passing game again. Sam made some nice throws. Got to be fair where it's fair here. Uh, defensively, look, I mean, I think it's the same story, different week. You talk about a unit that starts fast. When you get a lead, you can attack, pin your ears back, but they are light. Yeah, and Joe Person's article, Billy, one source had called them soft. I, I don't like that word. I just like them as light. They're just a little light yeah. in the box. And I think that's something they're going to have to address. I, I do wonder about Hassan Reddick because he played well, but now he's talking about wanting to beef up to 250 to sort of counter that. And I do wonder if that's going to maybe limit his ability to be that great Swiss Army knife defender he is in the pass rush game. Um, he's got a contract here coming up. That's a decision to make. But, yeah, I mean, Bill, you know, it's this is what happens against a team like Tampa where, where they are stacked and not only stacked player-wise, but coaching-wise, they have such an advantage over a, a very young and experienced group in Carolina from coaching and from the player's side. Uh, yeah, hey, look, <laughs> I'll give Matt real credit. He wasn't going to punt the ball. I mean, they were going to go for it on fourth downs. I think Matt actually did a pretty good job of, like, using this game as a good uh, rehearsal for next season, did some good things in getting some guys involved, but also situationally tried some things out on fourth down. Obviously, the, the QB sneak thing. I, I don't want to get into the, the Cam Newton crap. Uh, look, Cam was even okay with it. Cam, Cam's point was, like, I don't want to be out there sneaking on fourth and once. So I'm good with it. It's cool. But it was not a good push by Elfline, who was a liability at center, by the way. But, man, Tampa just uh, – they cut loose in the second half. A couple of reverses there. I know Bruce was a little upset because, you know, he wants his team playing at a higher level for four quarters. But give Carolina credit. I mean, I think there's some good things to look to in terms of what Sam did. You try to look at the positives, 29 of 42, 219, a couple of touchdowns, one pick. A nice play to Robbie, by the way, um, on what I made. I don't know if it was a zero blitz, but they were bringing like six or seven guys. And he just said, look, pop it up in the air, give Robbie a chance. It's not much to it. Jake Delone did that every week and it worked. So Sam's been so scared in the pocket. He just finally let one loose. Zilstra had a pass attempt. How about that? Um but no, overall, Billy, it's about what I expected. They were competitive early, um, turnovers late, uh, defense, a lot of guys missing. Good to get out of there with, um, I guess, just relatively good health. But 5-12, and 12, a really bad season. And uh, a season, Billy, that leaves me more questions than answers in terms of not only how they constructed their roster to get here, but how do they 
take their next step because this is not a linear progression in terms of their roster construction. They're going to have mm -hmm. to go backwards again before they go forwards. And uh, that already gets me annoyed. But the game itself, hey, 41-17. Yeah, again, it was a pretty close game, I, I thought, for um, at least until that Anderson touchdown, 24-17, and then Tampa just, you know, they did what they do. They just uh, were very surgical. Uh, and it's not like yeah. Brady had, you know, a receiving core that's, uh, besides Mike Evans, it's pretty pedestrian. And, um, and yeah, so, again, I thought Carolina, they competed. Darnold didn't really play that well. I thought he had a couple of decent moments. Uh, again, I shouldn't even say decent. He just executed the offense at certain points. But overall, you're just left wanting more, uh, especially at that position. It's a position that, um, you know, it, it requires more. Because, again, I thought Jeff Nixon did some pretty good things. And I, the running backs, both of them, had pretty strong days uh, catching and uh, running Abdullah and uh, Hubbard. So uh, I would say that the loss of McCaffrey was, I don't, I don't see the result being different if McCaffrey played, let's just say that. Cause I thought those two carried their load. Um, and that's no disrespect to any of the three guys involved. It's just my own opinion on that. Sure. Okay. Let's move to some of the things that are currently happening with this organization. Okay. So let's start with, um, Let's start with early, uh, late last week, which is when we got word uh, from a couple of different outlets that Matt Rule was going to return and he's going to lead the offensive coordinator search. Uh, I think it was picked up by a couple outlets, uh, ESPN and CBS maybe. Yeah. Uh, and Sunday morning, Schefter reported that Bill O'Brien, Jay Gruden, and um, the guy, Kevin O'Connell, are going to be options for Matt Rule. Yeah. And uh, we got a report today that Pep Hamilton is also potential. Uh, mm -hmm. Let me just start with what I heard. Uh, and, I, and I told you this a couple last week. That I heard this and said that uh, it wasn't, it was something really vague. It was just like, uh, look into Bill O'Brien and Matt Rule. So I looked into it and I was like, what is this about? He's like, future OC. Like, okay, I'll look into it. So I looked into it and I realized that they had a pre-existing relationship already um, at their, during Rule's time at Penn, or excuse me, Bill O'Brien's time at Penn State. Yeah. Him and O'Brien, um, Rule and O'Brien formed a relationship because obviously Rule is an alum there and uh, they got to know each other. And I think okay. uh, O'Brien passed on some mentorship when Rule took the Temple job. Okay. They're still in state. Uh, and then... You know, as the story goes on, I read some other, and this is not sourced. Um, I, I looked up online and found out that Rule and O'Brien formed a closer relationship, uh, working relationship at least, uh, as colleagues when Rule took the job at Baylor. And uh, Baylor uh, is obviously in the state of Texas. They played games at the Houston Texans Stadium, NRG Stadium, and uh, him and O'Brien just kept in touch through. Um, you know, through the, through that situation when he was there. So, um, so that's sort of where if everything I can just step in real quick, just real quick, just so our audience understands and you, you're bashful. I get that, but you, you did that. It is sourced. You, you actually put time into researching it and, and you conducted some research on those two guys. And lo and behold, the, the big wigs out there drew a correlation, not, not by your reporting probably, but, you were ahead of the curve on it to a degree because you saw there was a connection between two guys. And you and I were talking about that 
three days before this report came out. By the way, you did a Jay Gruden name drop on our pod two weeks ago. Remember that? I know you yeah, might have and, 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 and the, Yeah, the Gruden thing I just threw out there as a possibility oh, of the type of of the type of um, coordinator that they should be uh, going after. Sure. Uh, and sure. this is just my belief. I believe that Dave Tepper wants NFL experience inside that building and he wants NFL head coaching experience. So that's why when you're did, seeing. When did you decide Bill that? <laughs> Sorry. No, I, yeah, no, I, I get it. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not faulting the owner here because this is something that, that, that when rule was building his staff, he should have done. He should have had more ex NFL head coaches <laughs> on his staff and Jay Gruden, former NFL head coach, Bill O'Brien, again, former NFL head coach. And uh, let's see what happens with the offensive line. There's, you know, maybe if they decide to move in a different direction, Doug Marone, who's also at Alabama, he, him and Bill O'Brien are very close friends. Uh, you know, Marone worked under Sean Payton. He's been an NFL head coach before and a couple of different franchises. He would be a very uh, viable offensive line coach. I don't know what the status is of Pat Meyer and if he's returning, but I feel like if you're going to uh, revamp this coaching staff, that uh, bringing in uh, new blood on at the offensive line, um, the OL coach position would be a good start. Uh, but to, to get back to my point earlier, okay, um, I don't know. Supposedly, Bill O'Brien. There's talk that if the Michigan job opens, he'd be a candidate there. There's he's interviewing for NFL head coaching jobs, um, so I don't know what his status is going to be. But I think that the report of O'Brien, the report now of Brian Flores getting fired, um, and Flores was one of the reasons why Deshaun Watson wanted to go to Miami, yeah. and. Rivers McCown, who does a great job covering the Texans, he -hmm. provided some clips that Watson and uh, Bill O'Brien were very cool with each other. They had no issues, despite, you know, some of the other acrimony that occurred between O'Brien and J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, It seems like there was still a strong relationship between those two. Um, So I'll be curious to see if, uh, and again, I don't know, because there's talk that, O'Brien, again, could get a head coaching job in the NFL, whether it's Jacksonville is supposedly interviewing him. I'm not sure what's going on, but I think that we know this, uh, John, we know this. We know that Matt doesn't like to get out of his comfort zone. We, we know that he wants guys that he's comfortable being around. And we only, so, know, we only know that because he volunteered that information, by the way. Exactly. So, I, I first of all, I don't see Kevin O'Connell happening. Period. Um, I don't either. Yeah, an offensive coordinator is not going to move for a lateral job. And the Rams uh, last year, the Rams blocked O'Connell from moving uh, um, to the Chargers, and that's right. a different conference altogether. Right. The the Rams aren't going to let him move to within conference for a lateral position. No. But I I strongly do believe that if Bill O'Brien doesn't get a head coaching job, that you could see him as one of the strong candidates for this uh, offensive coordinator role. And um, now before we get to the Glazer report, I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien is is interesting on a number of levels. I, I have sort of uh, just on a, on a larger scale here, I don't want to call it a peace treaty, but we go hard during the season, at least I do. And it, it can sometimes be, a little bit of a, you know, rapid fire type of tweet storm. So what I'm trying to do as we get into the new year, the season's over. I'm exhausted from it. 
I'm looking forward to these conversations with my feet kicked up and looking at the nuances. Bill O'Brien, to me, a lot of folks do the same thing with O'Brien that they do with Harbaugh. They make criticism and critiques of his um, record without examining the specific elements that matter in this situation. Okay, so what my point is, Harbaugh to the NFL, oh, you couldn't beat Ohio State as a college coach. Okay, that's not relevant. Same thing with Bill <laughs> O'Brien. Bill, you know what I'm saying, Bill? Bill O'Brien, when, when they slapped the GM label on him and he was tasked with the, the Mike Holmgren type of two-for-one gig, it was just too overwhelming, and he wasn't ready for it. And, and I think as a coach, though, I mean, you look, Carolina is in no place to be judgmental in terms of what constitutes, you know, mediocrity. Because we're past mediocrity now. We're down in the depths of, like, mid-'90s Bengalsville. So we're trying to climb back to where Bill O'Brien had that team in the beginning. And he made the playoffs a few years there. You know, he had that team. I mean, he, he won multiple divisions. I know yes. the division wasn't good, but go ahead. I'll finish. I, know. I think as a strategist, look, it, when you work in that Belichick system, you know, it's the Earhart Perkins concepts that they usually run there, which if you guys don't know, that that's what McDaniel still very much runs. Dan Henning ran that with Jake DeLome here to a degree. It, there's variations of it, but but it's a very quarterback-friendly, steady type of offense that gives you options. And I don't know what O'Brien's idea would be here, but I imagine there would be some power run elements involved uh, and maybe more gap scheme stuff. I don't know because I know Matt is still the head coach and he's still going to want to drive some of the, the core principles. But I think Bill is a good motivator. I, I think he's got, you know, the, the backs of guys like I me, mean, like Watson, you know, people push back on your take, Billy, to me today and said, well, you know, no, 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 no. Watson doesn't like O'Brien because of New Hopkins, how he dealt them away. And it's like, look, I have only heard that from my reading that there was no ill animosity there to this day and that O'Brien and Watson are fine. Watson aside, I think O'Brien, whomever the quarterback might be, would be a, a, a a great piece of uh, coaching addition to this unit here. I don't want to say he's better or worse than Joe Brady. Brady needed more time to get experience, but I still lament the fact that they did that when they did. I'm surprised to a degree. Um, I guess nothing's happened yet. Nobody's been interviewed. I will be a little bit surprised if O'Brien takes the job because I still think to a degree he's, and maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, it's a pretty good situation right now. Um, I think we both agree he wants to be a head coach again in the NFL one day, right? Like that's kind of what his goal. I mean, would be, uh, maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not necessarily that he want. It's just it, it, I don't. I I would assume so. I mean, that's but, just okay. a natural progression, right? But but my last point on this is like I was very hooked up on the the, the, the Sam Darnold thing after listening to Scott Fitter today. And in rule, I, I could barely get through the rule presser, but Fitterer was very detailed and, and very, you know, not to an extent where he's giving stuff away. But, you know, we talked to Joe Person last week, and there's a, a sense that, you know, there's going to be some possible movement there in the quarterback market. And it might not just be for Watson, but they're not sold that Darnold's going to be their day one starter, and they're going to want some competition. They did resign PJ Walker, uh, which, okay, fine. He turns the ball over once every 15 snaps, but okay. That's cool. He's a backup. He's the third stringer. Uh, they left the door open for Cam. I can tell you this. I, I don't think they're going to follow through with that, but you never know. Uh, and I think they should probably start looking really seriously at their long-term solution. It's not going to be Darnold. 
So if you're Bill O'Brien, if you look at this situation and size it up, obviously the money would have to be, you know, top notch because, you know, obviously there's some disadvantages there, but uh, yeah, I could see him doing it. I, I'd, be, I'd be grateful to have him here. I think they could do a lot worse. Um, My whole, I, I don't think to your point about Connor real quick, and we can move on. There, he, O'Connell's on a track right now that's very good for his career. I don't think he comes out to the East Coast with all that's going on here and tries to muddy his career up with that. I, I think that's a, that's a reach. They might have interest in him, but I don't think he has reciprocated that to this point. Um, I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and the reason why, again, I, I don't think – I think O'Brien's an okay NFL head coach. Or, excuse me, not NFL. I think he's an okay offensive coach. Um, I mean, he's – like he's a competent, competent. yeah he's competent that's a good word and uh, i don't view him positively or negatively compared to some of the other um you know nfl head coach or offensive coordinators in the league i think he's just about probably average to maybe above average mm-hmm. uh and and right now this team needs competency from the offensive coordinator position uh and i think that's that's where I think a guy like O'Brien would be able to help. Bill, Bill would O'Brien be a be- now take the name O'Brien out of it. Are there other names of guys? Because you know Tepper wants a name. That's part of this too. It is and he wants a former head coach. To your point, I think that's. But if you take those elements out, are there other guys that are OC candidates like a Kafka or others that like do stale? Are there other guys you see as potentially being higher ceiling than O'Brien, or is it kind of a weak market right now? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a, an interesting market. I don't, I don't know if it's weak or strong, to be quite frank with you. I just see, I see guys like again, Bill O'Brien, Jay Gruden, Anthony Lynn. He's available, uh, and Pep Hamilton. Pep was obviously never an NFL head coach. He did have a, he did serve time, I think, as an XFL head coach, but he's right. been around the NFL for a long time. So he Charlotte native too. He's, yeah, he, he's an established. Um, you know, he, he's certainly established himself. My question, though, is what does Matt want? Because this is a good transition into the report by Jay Glazer. And I can tell you for a fact, and John, I know you know this. Yep. Jay Glazer has rock-solid sources inside that building. Well, I, I followed I know up. For, for, I, I confirmed it today after you told me what you told me. See, so yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. And I know that Jay Glazer has also a direct line to Matt Rule. Uh, because I was watching the Fox radio uh, broadcast of the draft last year and Rule was texting Glazer during the draft and uh, like a three picks before kind of Glazer just told him it's going to be uh, Horner <laughs> later. Is that right? Yeah. And I, I, I kind of, he, he well, kind that, of kept it to himself, but okay, he just, well, I had, uh, you, that's just a quick name, uh, name, not, no name drop of the source. But I had a similar situation, not with Matt Rule, but with somebody in that building giving me the same intel. It's hilarious because I, I was able to drop a couple of picks early. So uh, I didn't know he was that tight with Matt. I know I, I knew he was tight with some other guys on the, on the yeah. front office side. That's interesting. Yeah, I think he obviously has a connection to the front office, but he also has a direct line to Matt. And, and this is just – Glazer's been around for a while, and, and he oh. knows – the insider game really well because he establishes relationships and, and, uh, and he's he not a guy that's he doesn't turbo tweet like Schefter like when he speaks it means no, 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 no. He, he's he, and he's not going to kiss ass like right. you know a certain like, Ian of like Ian Rappaport Billy just say it 
Well, I'm going to keep his name out of my mouth. Um, but but the but but the the report it was very significant for a couple of reasons, and and the report was that unless he, he essentially had three different tiers, he said guys who are out, guys who are safe, and guys time will tell. He put rule time will tell, and I, the belief from what or excuse me, the report that he said is that uh, unless Matt can hire a rock star offensive coordinator. You know, things are still to be determined here. Rockstar. Now, Rockstar. before before people get up in arms, this was a situation uh, in the past. Mike Munchak in 2013, uh, when he was with the Titans, he was asked to make changes to his coaching staff. And because Munchak was a pretty loyal guy, he fell on the sword and uh, he essentially got fired. Uh and Doug Peterson had a similar situation uh, where the ownership and the front office asked him to also uh, look into upgrading their coaching staff. Now, I know there's other issues that happen in Philly that I don't want to get into, but it's not uncommon, let me just say, for a uh, for an NFL franchise to, or excuse me, like an ownership front office to ask for uh, upgrades in the coaching department while not being... 100% deliberate as far as the status of the head coach, because we haven't heard from the owner. The owner has not released a statement yet. He's not, he hasn't said anything about the job status of role. And that's, and that's so, a new approach for him. We hear from him at least once or twice a year and he's been. And so rockstar offensive coordinator. I'm not sure what qualifies. Yeah. What's uh, the what the qualifiers are in place, but. I want you to take this away and kind of you give me your kind of impressions of Glazer's report. And if you want to add anything else that you're hearing on your end, feel free. Well, I, I have as many questions as answers on it, but I'm, I'm glad we're opening it up because I, I want to take a couple of minutes and sort of examine. Sorry, sort of examine what I think Glazer's getting at and theorize a little bit, because what that report left us to believe was. Just a little chronology here and what happened. You covered this earlier. Saturday, a report came out by Dave Newton with an assist by Jeremy Fowler that indicated very, you know, briefly that Matt Rule is, you know, looking like he's going to return in 2022. And it was just an initial report. And then Sunday morning on Countdown, I think it was Schefter that picked up the three names. So I've been, like I said, it's not my first rodeo, Billy. And I kind of understand how the PR departments work with these networks. I'm not accusing them of anything. And even if I was, it's nothing immoral. I get a sense that this is something that was probably leaked. And it was leaked in an attempt to let's shut these fans up and pacify them. Because for God's sakes, you know, it's turning into a dumpster fire. Everybody wants rule fire. They're on TV at Hornets games chanting it. I think the folks at PR just said, look, we've got to get ahead of this. we got to make sure that before that Sunday kickoff, in Tampa, we don't want that, you know, narrative dominated into Monday morning. So let's get a report out and let, let's feed this to ESPN. Not say ESPN's their PR department, but let's source this out to them. And of course they report, David Newton does, that you know, Matt Rule is safe and coming back. And then the follow-up was that, ooh, let's throw out a few appetizers. Here's some names. Ooh, that's sexy for the efforts fan. And chew on that all day. But then Glazer just like comes in like a Tasmanian devil. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, bro. No, it ain't that easy. I, I, I got it on good authority that 
Matt Rule is very much still in jeopardy, or not in jeopardy, the way he worded it was different, but the, the crux of it was Matt Rule is undetermined right now in terms of his status, and it's going to rely very much on him bringing in a rock star offensive coordinator. And Billy, I, from my understanding, that was the end of his report, right? There were no other details on top of that. It was, he left it at that in the pregame, right? He didn't elaborate any further on right. what a rock star coach would be, right? Yeah, no, that's okay, correct. So, so that was interesting. Now, I trust Glazer more than about anybody. Um, I don't think he leaked that out there to help anybody. I think he did that to – and I know who the sources might be. We're not going to talk about it. But I, I think that was put out there for a reason. And he took it because he's a good reporter and he wanted to bring some truth and context to what I felt was sort of a cheesy, milk toast way of sort of getting fans to shut up about it. Okay, well, we can all say now if ESPN says Matt's coming back, let's stop our – you know, getting mad about this and just let's just face it, it's happened. They didn't want a hellacious Black Monday. That's what they didn't want. They wanted a Black Monday, a fresh, like a fresh start, press conference. Okay, Saturday, we told you guys Matt was safe. Now we've got a list of guys to talk about. But Glazer threw a grenade into that by, by coming out with this. And so the rest of the day was spent looking up information on, you know, possibilities there. Rockstar candidate, I have no idea what that means. And here's the thing I don't get. It feels very much like, like a, a like a Waystar Royco situation. It's like, okay, you know, Logan Roy, who would be David Tepper, is like, you know, young man, bring me Matthew, bring me your best coordinator you can find. But Daddy, am I still safe? Yes, bring me one though. It's weird. It's like I've never seen it reported that way. Like uh, Matt is going to find a rock star. Well, let's just say for this, like, a top tier coordinator to come in. Is there like a litmus test though, Bill? That's my, that's my next question. Nobody asked this today. I guess they didn't want to muddy the waters with the, you know, Jake Glazer stuff to fit her. But my question would be, okay, Matt, what is your task right now? Are you still, that's a question for Tepper, I would think. What is the challenge? Are you, are you owed? Like, do you owe the owner a list? And like, I would ask Tepper this, Dave, what this report by Jake Glazer, is there, are you making a decision on Matt Soon? Is he safe? Is he your coach? Is he still being evaluated? Billy, right now, I have no idea if he's going to be here in three weeks. Maybe he is, but nobody has come out and said it. So with Glazer's little grenade he threw, which is damn good reporting, all I keep thinking about is, is does he have to, like, bring in the right guy that Tepper likes, and if he doesn't, he fails the test, and he's fired? I don't think it's like that. But there's some weird dynamic. It's very strange, Billy. It's a very strange dynamic, all of this. So I think Pep Hamilton, you know, he's the first guy they've asked to, to interview. Um, obviously, they're going to go through the O'Brien. Have we gotten separate confirmation that O'Brien and all those guys are actually interested or there's anything rolling on that end? I think that's just like early. No. Season, right. Let me just. Uh, I have no idea, Bill. I'm kind of at a loss. So what's the what's the objective? Because Matt, let was me there. Just, um, Matt looked very beleaguered. He looked tired. Let me give you a couple. Let me give you one nugget that happened last year. Yeah. On January 2nd, 2021, Adam Schefter reported that Eagles head coach Doug Peterson is expected to return to Philadelphia. On January 11th, Doug Peterson was fired. So the reporting from Schefter was that 
the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, wanted to take time to elevate the situation and look ahead to the future. And this wasn't something that was just done instantly. It, it seemed like Jeffrey Lurie wanted to take you know his own perspective right. uh, a few days. And I don't agree with the sentiment that you have to fire or excuse me, hire a head coach immediately. This isn't college football, like where you're trying to get a leg up on recruiting. If you are going to fire a coach. I totally agree. Yeah. Like Nick Sirianni is like the only coach in the playoffs and he was hired last in the last coaching cycle. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. So that's an interesting thing. So I'll allow you to carry on, but I kind of want to just get, more of your thoughts here on this reporting because you seemed pretty bewildered at it yesterday. Well, I, I don't think be, yeah, bewildered at, at what the next step is, but I think you just enlightened me a little bit and I'll touch on that. What, what I will say is I, I, I want to be real clear about this. When I talked about those ESPN reports, I say that because I know enough people that work in PR around the league and in sports in general to know how the league system works, how sourcing works. And it just, my gut feeling on it is, was, okay, there's been a lot of negativity. Let's put a report out on Saturday, Sunday. So we go into the week after our last game. There's no distractions during the game about, oh, well, if Matt doesn't perform, is it going to blow up? No, let's put it out there that he's safe. And then let's go into Monday with a clean slate and everybody's, you know, okay. Even if it was BS, which it sounds like it might have been, because with Glazer's reporting, I'll take it a step further. Glazer doesn't mean, no, this is a game show. Bring me your best guy or you're fired. What Glazer's getting at, I think, is bring me some names, and then we're going to spend some time, you and I, Matt, talking about the structure. And if we can't, you know, see eye to eye, it could end up being like an Eagle situation or or another situation where if they meet for a few days and there's some conflict or if there's just ideas that don't align, then maybe they part ways. I don't think this is done yet. And as we record to you here on a Monday night at 6.30 p.m., anything can happen. But I was given no indication today, Billy, watching that entire press conference from Matt Rule, that everything is dandy here. He didn't mention anything about, you know, I'm I'm good to go, I'm gold. They did speak a little bit. There was no, like, official vote of confidence is mean nothing, really. Until David Tepper gets up there, probably with Matt Rule by his side, and just says, hey, guys, we should give you a heads up here. We've talked. We're good to go. Uh, we're looking forward to a big season here. I, I think it's time to cut the crap, though. Let's stop talking around it and being salesmen and stop talking down to the fans like we're idiots. Scott Fowler, uh, Scott Fitterer today got up there and talked about the McCaffrey thing. Somebody asked him a question about, will you consider trading Christian McCaffrey? And Fitterer's general point was, well, you know, hey, look, I, I, I will take phone calls. I mean, I love McCaffrey. He knows that. We're adults. Um, but I always take phone calls. So I'll tell that to you guys. I'll tell that to him. That's, to me, the best way you can be with people. Short, simple, and honest. That doesn't give away any strategy. People know McCaffrey will be on the trade block. But don't be, you know, with the situation coming up, there's two possible scenarios right now of many. Number one, Tepper's just off the reservation right now, and they've already made a decision, and Matt can't speak for the owner. So they're just going about their business and no one really kind of pressed to the next level on that today. Cause I think they understood Matt was just having a hard time. He didn't look great. Didn't sound great. Was in no mood to really elaborate. Barely got through that thing. And fit came up there and that, you know, if fit fits in a kind of an in-between role right now where he doesn't really have authority over Matt to fire him. Can I just say, before you go on, <clears throat> yeah. did, 
was Matt like? Did he just get out of bed? He looked pretty miserable. Really? I'm gonna. T- I know they had an idea because yeah, Fitter looked very. I'm not trying to judge a guy, but he looked like he showered. No, he looked like I'm, he was dressed up fine. Billy, Billy, when I watched uh, Matt today, I, I know people get insecure when we get this deep into the weeds, but this is part of being in the spotlight, and you paid a lot of money. Uh, he looked like he just rolled out of bed. He looked like he had his pajamas on. Um, he looked tired. He looked very stressed out. He was sweating a little bit. He was unshaven as always. And he was moving a mile a minute. And when he gets to be talking fast like that, which I do sometimes on sports talk, you got to breathe a little bit. He sounded nervous. He sounded worried. He sounded very beleaguered into this stretch. Now, it could have been a, a bad head cold. Who knows? But the way he went about answering questions was very short. Not mean, but very short. And he was ready to get the hell out of there. Scott showed up and was just like, hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Let's talk things over. And God bless Scott Fitter. You know, I don't know how he'll be as a GM, but he's well regarded by a lot of people in the league. And Dan Morgan's right there with him. You know, these guys are great messengers for the program. I think part of the problem is, you know, it's just Matt. Right now, I don't know what his status is. Maybe he doesn't. That's about as nervous as I've seen him up on a podium. Uh, he looked nervous and he looked like he looked, he looked sad. Uh, and he didn't look like, okay, new year, let's go. You know, obviously it was a tough loss. He just looked dejected. Uh, sometimes I asked one of our friends, Nick Carboni, cause you know, Fox and Herney used to do these together. Remember they were side by side. I don't know if you recall yeah. the end of the year. I remember them. Yeah. Last year they fitter was late. So they didn't, but so I don't know if that's just an organizational COVID, whatever, but I found it weird that the end of the year meeting was staggered. Um, I, yeah, I think sure. that's, I think that's just, just that, and that's yeah, obviously people were asking me about that. And what I'm trying to tell you is I don't sense any friction. I don't think any moves have been made that would cause friction. I take them for their word that they're okay working together, but Billy it's business. And every year they work together, they don't have a pass together. They were brought together by David Tepper and, Matt Rule was a part of helping to hire a general manager. Yeah. If the results continue to, to trend downwards. It's natural to start maybe resenting one another in time. I don't think they're there yet, but I do think maybe at some point there needs to be a conversation, if there hadn't been already, about responsibilities, roles, power structure, clearly defined. Maybe not for us, but at least knowing that internally, they know what they're doing. Because I hear too much of this collaboration, kumbaya stuff. Uh, you've got to have somebody to pull the trigger. Right now it is Matt. Uh, and, and Scott needs to become that guy. He does. Matt needs to yeah. be the coach. Um, I would probably say 70-30, that role keeps his job. Um, but it, just this entire dilemma and this operation right now, it, it just it seems very – it seems like a lot of people are – like on razor's edge because we don't know what the owner is thinking and how he's going to react. Yeah. Right. And what, like, what, what is he thinking right now? Because I'm not asking the owner to do a press conference like Jerry Jones every week, twice a week or whatever. But at the end of the season, I saw Jim Irsay yesterday. I saw him go in front of his away fans and tell them after a humiliating loss out of the playoffs, I saw him go up to his fans and give a statement in arguably one of his most like worst moments of his entire career. 
but Tepper has not spoken. And because he hasn't spoken and because he has a head coach that he has lost seven games in a row, it's very fair for not only the media, but for fans in particular, and even for coaches and support staff to get a public statement or just some sort of transparency on where things are going. Billy, from at least from the PR folks through Tepper, there needs to be some level of communication in terms of, okay, what's next? I, I wasn't in the presser today. I talked to Nick Carboni a little bit, and, you know, he wasn't even there because he had something else to do, but uh, Ashley Sterline was there for CNB or for NBC Charlotte. The, the bigger point is, typically, one day after the season, okay. That's where the next few days are interesting. Um, the best PR football combo uh, operations keep their people informed, and it's there's no real secrets. It's not... Tepper, wherever he is now, I don't like doing hot takes on Dave Tepper because I really ultimately think he's not that bad, but this is bad. This is not good. And if it, if we go into like Thursday and there's still radio silence from his camp or like Steve Drummond, who I like a lot, but there needs to be some type of executive statement on, okay, maybe coming up Friday or Monday, you know, we're going to have a presser. Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it might be, and, and it'll be Dave Tepper and whoever else. And it doesn't have to be yeah, – just give a statement at least. It would be nice to have open-ended questions. Problem is, and I will say this, David Tepper is very opinionated, and he's also very gregarious, and I, I just want the facts. I don't need, you know, long-winded story. I just want David Tepper's factual statements on where this program is. And I don't know if it's too much to ask Billy – more details on maybe power structure or defined roles. Do you think that's unfair to ask or want to know? Uh, I'm not even asking for that. I'm just asking about you know, some rules safe. <laughs> no, and not necessarily that even. It's like, well, what do you want to know? Well, okay. It, it, I, I just, I see with other franchises, whenever the season ends, they send a letter to either the fans or the season ticket holders. Yeah. Right. Um, giving, you know, kind of like a timeline of where things stand. Like, I don't know, let's say where the um, Detroit Lions, okay, Detroit, okay, like their fans probably got an email this morning that, hey, we really strongly believe in Dan Campbell and, um, you know, our GM's leadership and yeah, we look right. forward to an offseason where we're going to have multiple, you know, draft picks in the yeah. first round and all this stuff. We haven't, the, the radio silence has been interesting. Uh, we've only gotten three names who are interested in, and we don't even know if Houston really, is going to really real quick. I just want to hear from the owner that the head coach has been retained for next year. That's all I want to know at first. I need to hear those words from him. Otherwise, yeah, yeah because right now you have outlets all over the place and more outlets yeah. are saying he's staying, but there's one guy who I think is well-regarded in uh, the insider community, Jake Glazer, who says not so fast. And right, and you know, and I, don't, guy, I don't even I think Florio's Florio has been on this too. Just to be fair, Florio has also been pushing this idea that hey, nothing's quite done yet. For weeks, he's been saying this. So, you know, I don't know. So Florio's not very popular. My whole thing. Go ahead. My whole thing is they're going to be interviewing offensive coordinator candidates. Pep Hamilton, like we said, is a name that got brought up. First of all, we don't even know if Pep Hamilton will take the interview. 
We don't know if Houston will allow him to. I think they should. Especially since there's no clear definitive answer as far as Matt Rule's job security. Unless that's been hammed through back channels. I guess it has been. Maybe. You'd like to know that answer before you take the interview, I, I would think. And But these are just, these are just names right now. Yeah. Uh, I believe that Hamilton would be... I think he would qualify as a rock, maybe not a rock star. I think O'Connell is a rock star, but they're not going to get him. We're still having to do this. <laughs> so crazy. Gruden, but but that's just my point. It's like they're going to be interviewing candidates this week, and what's the temperature going to be like? Because maybe the owner needs to speak you and I need to create a rock star index for these guys, maybe. <laughs> Go ahead, but so. but even then, it, it's it's a uh, I, I I think it's just. It's important to hear from the owner. That, yes, that's it. it. I, I only, I'm not asking him to, again, speak every week, but um, after the season ends, it's pretty important for him to release a statement or yeah. uh, do a presser. I, yeah, I just think before you have your first press conference with the media, after a report that Glazer puts out about Rockstar, whatever, I think by that point, Panthers PR through the owner should have released an official statement on the matter saying, if in fact he's safe, Yes, Matt Rule has been, you know, he's not even retained, he's under contract. He's, he's, he is the coach. He's under contract. There's an understanding that he is. The problem is he's been on the hot seat all off or all past five, six weeks. And to that point, you know, there has been radio silence from the owner. There's been multiple reports from those like Joe Person. You know, ESPN finally had to come out and say Matt Rule is safe for 2022. Glazer sort of puts a conflict in that to a degree and adds a layer to it. So that's not necessarily Tepper's fault. Maybe Tepper thinks he doesn't have to do anything. Maybe Tepper thinks, okay, you know what? He's he probably doesn't, yeah. So yep. but, but what that I agree does, with that. What that does is, is that leads us, and it's not just me, it's those that are in the, the most of those answers, like Sheena Quick did a great job today. She was very direct and got some great answers from Matt and others on, and Cam as well, on some really controversial-ish topics. But we can't like ask, Dave Tepper, like what qualifies as a rock star candidate? Because we don't know that David Tepper said that. In fact, we know he didn't because he wasn't quoting David Tepper on that. That was Glazer reporting that a rock star candidate. So that's Glazer being Glazer, but uh, Glazer's info is solid. The presentation was quick. It was prompt. And I don't see any follow-up articles that sort of detail it. So I don't want to speculate too much on that other than to say, you know what? Rock star, not rock star. What they need to find is, is a, a credible NFL coach Maybe somebody with head coaching experience. I wouldn't say that's the most vital thing, but it, it helps. I, I still think O'Brien would be the best of the bunch I've seen. I like Pep a lot to a degree. I think Pep has done some things that uh, you can look back on and say with like Andrew Luck. Maybe there's some things in Pep's career that I'm not aware of that weren't so great, but he was a West Coast offense guy for a while. He sort of shifted into like a different mode of operating. He's done a, a several different type of schematic things over the years. He's competent. He's experienced. He's worked well with quarterbacks. Um, they could do worse. I mean, Jeff Nixon would be doing worse. They could go Marcus Satterfield at USC, South Carolina. That would be going backwards. Um, no, 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 no. You can't hire a guy who worked under Joe Brady after you fired Joe Brady. Uh, you can't, but I'm telling you, they're close. And if Matt Rule has power, he'll call him at least to give him a favor. 
He won't. I, I mean, that, that's that 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 would be disqualifying, in my opinion. Yeah, no I mean, offense to Satterfield. I, it just depends on the wide net they're ca- if they're casting a narrow net of NFL guys. He's not. Satterfield's an afterthought. I just think when you look at the candidates out there, I, I would like to have somebody with previous coordinator experience calling plays. That's sort of a must for me. You know, it didn't have to be perfect, but somebody who has called plays, design concept, has been a coordinator of an NFL offense for a couple of years. Bill O'Brien's done that. All the, the the peripheral stuff, Billy, about, well, Bill O'Brien connected to Watson. Maybe that's a, a recruiting tool. I don't care about any of that. In fact, I would like them to steer away from Watson. I'm on the record right now with that. I think that would set them back in terms of the roster they've built. I don't think they have the draft capital now to make that a maximum play. His value has now gone up because of the demand. And you still have the, the, the pending issues out there. And you have an owner who pulled a Saddam Hussein ceremony on Jerry Richardson's trip statue to, to, to support the women's right movement of, you know, never again. And I don't know. It's a bad message. If you bring him in and those things are resolved, not to the satisfaction of yeah. those. Same well, I just think Watson deserves a chance to play if he gets it resolved, but you folks are banking on Watson being ready. There's no guarantees that he's going to be playing. So we got to be careful about that one. Yeah, I want to leave the Watson stuff aside. We'll get to it when it. Uh, yeah, when that's my way of saying I want to leave it alone. That's my statement on it. Yeah, no, that that's fair. And I think as we wrap up, Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's all sorts of names, but none of them really want to come here. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but let's just kind of tie a ribbon on this conversation. Did you get? I, you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you felt some very strange vibes during rules presser correct uh i it was a strange presser it was yeah have you seen anything like it before during your time covering the team uh well i think it's it's this billy in game in season things are a little bit different tempo okay so after the games you know we we, we're very analytical about matt and i I just want to say this because i kind of feel bad sometimes about it i want to make sure i'm real clear about this Look, I don't fancy myself as being Edward R. Murrow in this business. My desire is not to become the world's best source reporter. You know that. I've got enough sourcing to last me a lifetime if I need it. And I like having fun and having fun with what we do. But like Matt's press conferences have been objectively, um, let me just say, misguided and sometimes comical. And it, it, he goes in circles. He's not on point. He calls people out like the defense against Phil. We'll go through this all over again. He says things way out of line that don't need to be said. Not offensive things, just things that are against the best interest of your team. But then on Mondays, Tuesdays, he's back in his element. He, he's not he's, he's relaxed. They're talking. There's an occasional chuckle. <clears throat> I've never really seen a, a, a postseason press conference, like a Monday after where they have a chance to reset. I've seen some of these from Foxy, from Rivera. This is one of the most beleaguered ones I've seen. Now, again, maybe he had a head cold. Maybe he just didn't feel good. And not even the look, just the way he answered the questions. Somebody posed the question about the Sam Darnold contract or the trade itself and the fifth-year option. And then, you know, of all people, Fitterer came out later and explained to everybody. Like, I know everybody's kind of worried about the fifth-year option. You know, we had a deadline to meet on that, and that's why we had to get it done before he played a snap with us. Um, I'll admit, Billy, I was sort of numb to that, and I wasn't really doing my homework. Uh, anyway, whatever. It, they, they signed it when they signed it, 
And they didn't have to, but they did. That's a Sam Donald issue. It's fine. The thing with the Matt press conference was it was unlike the ones during the season where he was sort of on the rebound during the week, good practices and that. It almost it, it it felt like there was some bad news on the horizon from like something had bad had happened. He just looks he looked tired. He looked like he wanted to get out of there. Um, I, I don't want to suggest that there was something happened, but it could just be that look, it was the end of a very another end of a very bad season for Matt Rule, not to his standards. I feel bad for him on that level because I know he wants to be good at this. He his dream all his life has been like to be built parcels. And it's just not looking like at this point he's meant for this league. He is very good at motivating a certain demographic of men. And those are men are not really men yet. They're, they're boys. They're just college boys, high school kid. He's good at that. The senior bowl clip. Remember that Billy last year? I mean, that's, that's his bread and butter that I don't know if he will last in this league if that's going to be the way he feels after every season and certainly another five win season and he'll be out uh fitterer to the other hand he came up he was very even keeled very direct explained things very cleanly didn't leave anybody hanging um i, I found this interesting you know cam in his press conference was asked about the culture in the locker room and as Sheena Quick asked this, it was a great question. And, and Cam said, to be honest with you, I don't think everybody's buying into it. I don't know, if Billy, if you saw this, but, you know, I don't think Cam's full of crap. I think he's being honest. And I, I say that he's because, you know, and this is Cam talking. I say that because it's not a matter of effort or disrespect, but it's different. It's different than it used to be. It's different for a lot of these guys. And we don't have it from everybody here. And I'm just being honest as a team leader. And I thought that was very revealing. And then Matt was actually asked about this, I think, by Sheena as well. And rather than going, you know, in defensive mode, he really got into, like, overly happy mode about Cam. He just went on the D, like, oh, no, I, I you know, Cam, Cam's making some great points there, you know. I think what he's talking about, like, we, we work hard. We come in early. Our hours are tight. Cam's to that standard. Other guys aren't. And he said, like, 50 things about Cam that are great. He actually said, I would have a guy like Cam in my locker room forever. But then he also said, you know, it, it's not on me. It's, it's, it's personal. He like did the whole, it, that's, that's on Scott, not on me. But if it was my, he said, if it was my choice, Cam's a guy I'd have forever. And I, I don't know if that's particularly honest, but it's what he said. Um, it was very strange. I don't, maybe it's the lighting or something. It just, he was very rushed. He, he, that's not what you want to hear from a guy after year two who claims this is a patient rebuild. He's in command and control. He was not giving clear, concise answers. I posted the clip earlier about his fifth-year option answer. It appears it's gone viral. I, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed by that because it's like um, I didn't mean that to make him upset or embarrass him, but like his answer was, his answer was really bad. It was just really like he had not prepared for this press conference. Um, he's got to be prepared for the football field, Billy, and the draft. These are big things I'm worried about. I'm going to, I'm right now I'm rocking with, I'm rocking with rule. He's here. Nobody's told me he's not going to be here. Um, so until I hear that, you know, look, he's in trouble. Okay, fine. But right now go get your offensive coordinator, maybe switch out your line coach. That might not be a bad idea. Um, I don't think it ends with a coordinator. I think maybe the, maybe Frisman Jackson needs to be examined uh, because the, the receivers are not, 
quite getting it done, but they need to. Fix, I totally agree. They need to fix this offensive line. They need to start ridding this staff of Baylor comfort zone guys. And sorry, Baylor guys, you got your, your, your jobs here. That's fine. Some can stay. They're not all bad. Phil's doing a good job, you know, and you know, maybe it's time. I'll just say this. Maybe it's time for Tep and, and, and somebody else to step in and say, Evan Cooper might not be the best thing for you. Evan Cooper has been a big part of whispering things in your ear that lead you down bad paths here in terms of personnel decisions, because he's the director of player evaluation. I'm just saying he's a Baylor guy, Temple guy, maybe reevaluate Evan Cooper's power in that. He, he's always with Matt. And every time Matt's doing something, Evan Cooper's a part of the evaluation. I don't hate Evan Cooper. This is just business. I would just be very yeah. careful about giving Matt the kind of power that he could run away with this franchise and wreck it for years. Fitz got to be able to step in and sort of take the wheel here. And if that's not good enough for Matt, you know, Matt's got to be fired and then Fick can hire somebody. That, in fact, I'll leave you with this, Billy. That's what I would do if I was Tip. I'd come back from wherever I'm at. I'd say, guys, nobody said you're definitively coming back, so we got to meet. And I would propose this. I'd say, you know, hey, you know, Matt, I don't want to fire you. I like you. You got grease on your shirt. You're a fry cook and all that. And, and you're, you're really trying hard. So I want to I want to not embarrass myself either. But from from this point forward, you report to Scott or whatever it might be. Um, Scott is now in charge of this, that, and you're defined as the head coach. You are no longer in charge of personnel decisions whatsoever. You will have input with our staff. There need to be conditions laid out that remove Matt from the personnel side altogether. He's poisoned the well with his personnel. The, the guys he's brought with him are connected via college for the most part. And I don't give him a W for that. That's just, you know, connections. Um, he was front and center with Sam Darnold, more than Scott was, much more. And Bridgewater was his brainchild. The Elfline, look at the article. Uh, Cam Irving, that was, those were Matt guys. And, and Pat Irving guys, and, or Pat Elfline guys, whatever. Daily, that's what I would do if I was Tep. I don't know if he's going to do that. And for all I know, Tep's made his decision, and he doesn't want to talk because he's got $40 billion in his ashtray, and life is good. So, but I think you're going to start losing some really big chunks of your fan core here if you don't stop with this nonsense. But after I watched Scott Fitter, I felt about a thousand percent better about the direction because I know that this guy's competent and he messages everything clearly. And he's a, he's a good evaluator with Dan Morgan by his side, Pat Stewart, and they've got a really good coaching staff in terms of college scouting. They got some guys on the pro side. I think you and I agree might need to be tweaked, but yeah, just get in front of it, Tep. You know, you, you got to have that meeting. It ain't stopping with offensive coordinator, is it? Billy, tell me it's not. They got to make a couple more changes. Special teams, notably. It's not a very good. It might uh, be promising. Yeah, exactly. And Ed, Foley, um, you know. <laughs> so just to wrap this up, um, I agree. But at the same time, this is Tepper's team. And as you always say, it's not your billions. It is and not so. I would just tell all of our listeners and anyone who supports the team that just expect Matt Roll to be the head coach, even if I think a statement or some sort of message from the owner will be appreciated. But let's just assume that doesn't happen. And Roll has a seven-year contract. He's going into year three. So I think we should just proceed with that until different reports or confirmation comes from you know, the head boss. And uh, I think that's 
where we'll leave it for tonight. Um, There's not much else I have on my plate and I'm sure that we'll be doing a ton more um, off season previews. We'll recap again the 2021 season, but we'll look forward to uh, free agency, the draft and uh, also, I mean, we know we're getting a new offensive coordinator um, no matter what happens, whether it's a new head coach or not, but that hope so. I think, I mean, yeah. So they're definitely most likely getting a new head offensive coordinator. So we'll definitely do a, uh, a podcast on that, but uh, there's still a ton of content to be uh, consumed during this period. And we'll be sure to bring it to you. And uh, John, any final parting words? Uh, a couple things here, Bill. I am uh I, I want to quickly get your take on anything we air tonight here recorded. What, what, it's 721. We can still go to picks in Georgia, Alabama. Who you got? I will go with the Crimson Tide. I feel like uh, they had a really good uh, game plan the first time, and I feel like nothing in the semifinal showed me that it's going to change. I'm with you. I got 37 31. And I like the fact that you know, Kirby Smart had said before that first game, he said it honestly, he said, look, one thing I'm concerned about is we hadn't been challenged on the back end, and they were, and it didn't go well. And I'm not sure there's much they can do to counter that. And Doug Marone did a hell of a job, Billy, in that game with protections. So if they can keep that up, I think it'll be a similar type of game, maybe closer. But uh, uh, there's no shortage of drama. It's Like I said, it's one of the most interesting dynamics of an offseason right now where you've got so many uncertainties. Thanks, Jay Glazer, for that, by the way. You're keeping us busy. Um, but, no, it's – it's. I, I usually end the show by saying, hang in there. It's going to get better. I, I'll say this very realistically. Right now, I have no idea if it will. And I got to see something that inspires me that gives me a feeling like, okay, it will get better at some point. But there's still football to talk about. We'll be here every week to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, good show, Bill. You the man. All right. Thank you again for everyone for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.